The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Hey friends, and welcome back to another program, Afternoons with Mike, right here on the Shepherd Radio Network. On the line with me today is Reverend Jim Harden, and we've had him on before. Jim is with Compass Care. And we're going to be talking today about something that is so much in the news. It's regularly about what's happened in our country post Roe v. Wade. And that, of course, was June 24th when the Supreme Court overturned a nearly 50-year-old decision that changed, really, the fabric of a lot of the moral makeup of our country back then. And for the first time, abortion was protected and made legal with a uh, federal mandate. Now it's kicked back to the states, and a lot of people thought, well, that does it, right? And not so. We're facing more uh, obstacles right now than than it seemingly ever. And I've got an expert on the line who works with Compass Care. Welcome back, Jim. Mike, thanks for having me back on. It's an honor to be with you. Well, it's great to have you, and I wanted to talk about the stuff that's happened since we last chatted last fall on, on and I've had your, your co-worker Daniel Tomlinson on since then as well. Uh, this fight, uh, I know that Compass Care, we, the last time you were here, we talked about the fact that Antifa and this thing called Jane's Revenge, they kicked in. You were firebombed there at Compass Care. And I, I know that this battle is ongoing, and they're even threatening more violence right now, right? Yes, that's the concern. Um, the you know, as, as you described, you know, in the, in the beginning, you know, when abortion was the abortion ruling was overturned on June twenty fourth with the Dobbs case, the battle line simply shifted. It didn't make abortion go away, and it and it it just it essentially heated up um, the not just the debate in this country, but the violence. Um, there has been significant violence, um, specifically targeting pro-life entities. There have been over two, well over 230 attacks on pro-life churches and pregnancy centers across the country. And <clears throat> the pro, pro-abortion uh, domestic terrorist group known as Jane's Revenge took responsibility for a lot of those, including the brutal firebombing of our facility, which injured two firefighters. Um, <clears throat> and did a lot of damage more. as well, right? Yeah, half a million dollars of damage. We had to yeah. rebuild the entire facility. Um, oh you know, we, we, you know, it's a testimony to the people of God, though. The people of God never stopped serving women in crisis pregnancy in Buffalo. We, we, not, not, a, not a single day. And that was the, 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 the actual goal of Jane's Revenge was to get us to shut down. They gave us an ultimatum. They said, you got 30 days to shut down or else. And of course, 30 days uh, uh, arrived and they firebombed us. Yeah. We actually had we notified the FBI in advance, two weeks in advance. They didn't do anything about it. We also notified um, all the local police departments relative to all of our facilities all across New York State, and um, <clears throat> and yet they still managed to pull it off. But now we're anticipating increased um, violence uh, because there's another case brewing in the court system, the federal court system, and this case has the potential to be even more devastating to the abortion industry than the overturning of Roe versus Wade. Well, explain that one in case people haven't heard that. Sure. Well, when Roe versus Wade was overturned on June 24th, 
um, about a month prior to that, a month and a half prior to that, there was an illegal leak of the full drafts of the of 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 the opinion. That has never been that has never been, never happened before in the, in the history of the, of the Supreme Court. That kind of a security breach, but that fomented a lot of violence. And and <clears throat> Jane's Revenge is a is a is a branch of Antifa. And the way that Antifa, which is many of you probably know uh, what Antifa is, but it stands for anti-fascist. But what they really are is a Marxist-Leninist group that is anti-capitalist, anti-Christian, and they see pro-life uh, people as as you know. Uh, enemy number one. And so what, what Antifa does is they recruit disaffected groups to accomplish a lot of their um, ob objectives to overturn uh, capitalism and Christianity. <clears throat> so they recruited the, the disaffected um, kind of pro-abortion rights groups um, to, to engage in a lot of this violent activity when the Dobbs case was leaked. Now what happened is there's a new case brewing. This case is down in Texas in the federal district court out of Amarillo, which is the northern district federal court. <clears throat> and this basically is four physician groups representing thousands of doctors across the country have said that the FDA um, illegally approved chemical abortion back in 2000 during the Clinton administration and again, continue to deregulate it illegally um, throughout the, the next uh, few years, including most as most recently as January 3rd, when the Biden administration essentially totally deregulated it, insisted that you could send these drugs to women in the mail without even diagnosing pregnancy. These drugs, of course, are extremely dangerous. Um, the FDA did not do their due diligence to determine the safety and efficacy of these drugs. And so these physicians are saying, look, the FDA is, has abdicated their duty to protect the population from, from dangerous uh, chemicals like, like this mifepristone, which is the, the uh, chemical abortion drug. And so uh, the judge is expected to rule any day now. And the judge is actually expected to rule uh, in, in favor of the physicians. <clears throat> what that means is chemical abortion, which now represents over half of all abortions in the country, 54%, would be outlawed. Mm. That would basically just you know, cut the abortion numbers in half in America overnight. This is a major blow to the abortion industry. It's a billion-dollar uh, abortion empire that is looking at uh, you know, being cut in half in one fell swoop. Um, <clears throat> the, the overturning of Roe versus Wade back in June had a had a devastating impact on the abortion industry as well, because over, you know, I think over 15 states had outlawed it. We're looking at 26 states potentially restricting it to the point of, of, of you know, not being available, um, which again, forces the abortion industry to change its business model and pivot to a hub and spoke plan, encouraging women to travel from conservative states to, you know, uh, abortion hub states like New York and California to get their abortions or, or the chemical, to, or they have to rely on the chemical abortion, mm -hmm. right. And, and send it to them in the mail. This is really dangerous and it's totally against medical protocol and medical ethics. Um, <clears throat> and so that's what these physicians are saying. Thousands of physicians all across the country representing hundreds of thousands of women, both now and in their, their future patients, trying to protect uh, the, the best interests of, of these women and, and their preborn boys and girls. Uh, so, you know, how does medical standard of care get, um, I, you know, standardized? How, how, do, how, do you, how do you get it ensconced in, in into the medical community? It's not government. It's the medical professionals. The ones who are trained to deliver medical care, they're the ones that say, well, this is this is bad or this is good, and here's why for a patient or for medical care in general. And, and they're saying 
all these thousands of physicians out there saying the FDA has done the wrong thing. They have ignored the law. The FDA is, is controlled by laws just like every other um, government agency. And these laws are, are designed to force the FDA to go through the rigor of assessing the safety and efficacy of, of a particular drug so that it doesn't harm the population at large. And the FDA's ruling here just totally ignored all that. And, 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 and instead of protecting women, they're protecting the abortion industry. It's a politicized FDA. So this is, this is a, a really interesting moment in the history of America. It's, it's probably the most important cultural moment in 150 years in America. And, uh, and it's all coming down. And, and so we're concerned that the, this, this ruling will, will foment more violence against pro-life people. It'll, 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 it'll you know, essentially cause these, the pro-abortion uh, disaffected, if you will, the pro-abortion uh, activists to 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 rear up again and begin to attack peaceful pro-life organizations. Um, <clears throat> so we're we're on alert and um, we're we're kind of anticipating uh, the worst, but we're hoping for the best. Uh, at any rate, we're going to continue to move forward because all people are made in the image of God, right? And therefore, equally valuable, deserving of blessing and protection from the womb to the tomb, both mother and child, right? right. You know, we hear about these government agencies, Jim, uh, thinking about the FDA, and you talked about how they're ignoring the law. And then we turn around and we look at the DOJ, and here is the Department of Justice, Merrick Garland, who is the leader, uh, he's the attorney general for crying out loud, and it seems that they are bent on uh, basically punishing anybody that's a pro-lifer. And, you know, then you look at the FBI and so many people have lost confidence that the FBI is is now being looked at as nothing but a, a another arm, if you will, of this progressive left. And it, it really causes it really causes concern because who's going to be there advocating for those that are innocent, those that are, are being trounced <clears throat> upon by these groups like Antifa? Who can we trust? And that's the problem, isn't it? It's a, it is the problem. There's, it is absolutely, um, well, it, what, it, what, it, what it amounts to is anarchy within the government. Yeah. Anarchy itself is lawlessness. It's lawlessness within government, the, the ranks of government. You've got the attorney general, as you described, Merrick Garland. He is the chief law enforcement officer. <laughs> okay. He is, he is the guy that, yeah, is, supposed, the... that is tasked with, with making, making sure that the laws that are implemented by the people's representatives are actually enforced. And, and so what, what, what Merrick Garland has done is he has charged the, what, what he's called the task force, uh, the, the, the national uh, task force on violence against reproductive health care providers. Okay. That's a, that's the name of a task force. He, he has charged the task force with, with, uh, with investigating and prosecuting incidents of abortion violence um, with a focus on anti-abortion activities. What that means is, uh, let me just sum it up. It means they're targeting pro-lifers. They want to make all public pro-life activity illegal. That's what these last nine months of violence and attacks, not just specifically physical attacks, but also attacks from pro-abortion government representatives like Hillary Clinton. Well, she's not a representative right now, but um, Elizabeth Warren, uh, Senator Hirano out of Hawaii, uh, New York Governor Hochul, Governor Gavin Newsom out of California. <clears throat> they're insisting that that, that uh, you know, big tech censors pregnancy centers that they're they're um, they're they're insisting that um, pregnancy centers get get targeted um, 
for for censorship so that women can't find our services. Um, and you know, not only that, but you've got an FBI, as you described it, that's been politicized. And it's not just us saying it; it's the House of, of Representatives. We've got we've got co- a congressional congressional investigation Absolutely, going on. Absolutely, yeah. There's there's a 1,050 page report released uh, late last year from whistleblowers within the FBI saying that they're deprioritizing uh, certain types of investigations, including attacks on pro-life, violent attacks on pro-life organizations. Why? Well, it's because it appears that the DOJ has been co-opted. Look, the FBI, the DOJ, the FBI is a, military, a militaristic organization. What they do is they, they, they do what they're told. And and they're, they don't have limitless resources. So they're, they're going to prioritize certain investigations. And it looks like they're prioritizing or deprioritizing investigations based on a political narrative. And so that's what the House Judiciary Committee is investigating, and we hope that they get the bottom of it. But it's very clear, and the DOJ is not even hiding it anymore, that they want to put a halt to all public pro-life activity. It started with the Clinton administration, and it's continuing on, and they're 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 speeding up their efforts. And the reason, so, so we have we had to hire private investigators, Mike, because the slow walking of, of these of these investigations of these attacks on pro-life organizations all across this country, not a single arrest. There have been two indictments down in Florida, as you probably know. Mm. These were graffiti artists. These, you know, so where, 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 where's the manhunt? Where's the dawn SWAT raids like they're doing with against pro-life, peaceful pro-life people, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're, they're not nowhere to be seen, but there, there's a, uh, right. We know for a fact because the F the DOJ is not even hiding it anymore that they're, they're targeting pro-life people. And, and it, our, pri- our private investigators are saying, look, it's either because they're afraid that if they make arrests, it'll foment more violence, right? Or uh, worst case scenario, the DOJ uh, has been infiltrated and, and, and has Antifa sympathizers from within actually deprioritizing uh, these investigations, which also is probably highly likely given the fact that they, have, they use similar language to Antifa and they have similar goals to attack the economic, the capitalistic and Christian uh, basic basis for um, Western civilization. Yeah. And I, that, that sounds crazy, right? It sounds like, oh, this guy must be a conspiracy theorist. Well, no, uh, just look at what's been going on with Antifa. You just the, the, these, uh, the, this, is, uh, this group has, has a, a global uh, goal and, and global activity going on right now. And you've got pro-abortion politicians in America using the same talking points as Antifa. Uh, and Antifa, uh, Jane's Revenge, that it's attacking pro-life people, it's not even, they're not even hiding the fact that they're Antifa anymore. You know, These that, are, that's exactly right. I mean, there was a time that I think that they would have been a little bit more, let's say, discreet or maybe subtle in their approach. Not so anymore. No, not so. They are, I mean, they're cowards. They're still wearing masks. And, uh, but, but, you know, we, we've got, we've, they have promised uh, that uh, they're going to, um, increase their attacks. They said tomorrow, this is a quote from them. This is from one of the most recent communiques, James Revenge saying tomorrow, it might be your cars, your homes, or even your lives. And now we've got pipe bombs being found behind pro-life churches in Philadelphia. We've got a a pro-life bishop out of Los Angeles that was murdered last week. We've got people, people are not aware that even the tactics that are being used are what's called fourth generation warfare. I'm not making this stuff up. This comes from a Pentagon irregular warfare expert, Rich Higgins. He said, look, they're adopting Al-Qaeda type activity, Al-Qaeda type 
uh, communications uh, structures, Al Qaeda type, uh, you know, political attacks. They go in. They, they, there's a wave of, of attack, a particular kind of attack on a particular kind of person to, to destabilize society. And then as soon as it starts to gain sympathy, those attacks start to gain sympathy within the general general public. They pull back. Hmm. And as soon as the public forgets, they go and attack again. And as soon as that starts, to, you know, and they they get more and more traction over time. Pretty soon, it's a full on attack, and they're not even hiding anymore. I mean, we're talking about. Um, you know, not just uh, political rhetoric anymore. We're talking about uh, violence that's physical. We're talking about they're, they're going to be they're going to be shooting bullets, uh, and what possibly they already are. So, this is very dangerous. Well, somebody did at that bishop in L.A. I mean, somebody shot that that person, and it's you know it, it really boggles one's thinking, doesn't it, to think that that happens. And it's just like the DOJ looks the other way. And there's no, I mean, even in your own firebombing case, you did not get the kind of response that one would have believed that an organization that is aiming at helping women, mm -hmm. uh, you did not get the kind of response that one would expect that you would have received. No, we didn't. We, we should have gotten immediate response. I mean, if you, if you, if, and I, some people might say, well, they, maybe they're just busy. Maybe they're, maybe they're just, uh, they're, Give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe maybe, they, maybe they're just ignorant. Maybe maybe the FBI's um, and the DOJ just don't know what's going on. Well, it's highly unlikely. What 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 did what did, uh, what did is is there is there a com uh, something that happened in say the the abortion industry that's similar to what happened to us in Buffalo? And I think you know that if if you look at those 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 scenarios, you'll see that the FBI and the DOJ and ATF and whoever else are willing to partner and partner quickly. I mean, within hours right. with local police to locate uh, and, and arrest and indict and, and, and uh, throw these guys in jail who, 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 who threaten uh, an abortion clinic. And th this is, by the way, these are one-offs. These are not even, you know, these are not coordinated attacks. There have been two attacks that we're aware of on Planned Parenthood organizations in Peoria, Illinois, and one in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Um, no one was injured. Um, these these were not coordinated uh, efforts like like Jane's Revenge or anything like that. These are these are one guy was just a disgruntled um, you know guy whose 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 girlfriend went and got an abortion there, and he had a he has a, a, a you know a, a criminal record as long as your arm, right? right? And another one was 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 a you know some guy acting alone, and he he, he you know a young guy that didn't have you know he just he was just outside of his mind. So what did they do? Um, they essentially garnered all their resources and found and found these guys within days. I mean, the, the attack in the, in the Kalamazoo was, was somebody tried to light this Planned Parenthood on fire. They, they were unsuccessful, but they caught the guy yeah. within four days. They did a, a video surveillance analysis within hours. It took the FBI five weeks just to even look at our video surveillance. Wow. And now they won't even let us see our own video surveillance. Hey, you got a moment to hang with me? I'm up against a break. Let me take this break and we'll be right back. Palm Beach Atlantic University, Orlando offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years' experience, 
EC Waters is a top train comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. Here we are for segment two. Thanks for being with me today. Afternoons with Mike Heard Daily here on the Shepherd Radio Network. On the line with me is Reverend Jim Harden from Compass Care, CEO of that organization. Uh, I know you've worked as a pastor and uh, you really are, are on what I consider to be the cutting edge of information around not just your area of New York, but also around the country because you have to keep up with all of this. And isn't it, Jim, isn't it sad that what we were talking about in segment one, you think about the storied institutions in America of law and order, and that goes all the way starting with the FBI and then all the way up to the DOJ. Uh, you, You would think that in America this would not be going on where the criminal is protected more so in most cases, in in a lot of these cases, than are the victims. And it it just doesn't make sense that it could happen. I I say it often, my grandfather would be rolling in his grave if he knew that this would be happening right now. I'm glad that they didn't have to see it, but we are having to see it. And the fight is important, not just for us, but especially for our children and our grandchildren. If we're going to have any sense of law and order in this country going forward, but that's exactly what we're facing, isn't it? It is exactly what we're facing. And you're, you're right. This is a, you know, the the law enforcement's, you know, have a storied history now. Um, but I've said this for quite some time, and I'll say I think it bears repeating. All this that we're experiencing right now, with respect to the DOJ, um, you know, essentially lawlessly targeting, unfairly targeting uh, pro-life people, and 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 trying to quench uh, pro-life public pro-life activity, uh, while while at the same time protecting uh, Antifa pro-abortion Antifa criminals who are uh, not just threatening. But all, but acting on their threats, they're firebombing right. and possibly even murdering people now, which they said they would do. Um, this is not about abortion. This is a this is about what it means to be human under God. This is about two uh, rival versions of reality. This is about uh, whether or not human beings are made in the image of God and are equally valuable, or human beings are just uh, an accident derived from a series of of you know, accidents and and morality is just a construct that we that that human beings make up, and the people that create the the, the moral constructs are the people that have most the most of the power and the money. You know, it's Nietzsche called it the will to power. If you if you extract God from the formula of of human existence and human interaction, then morality makes no sense, and that's exactly what we've got here in in a secular secularized American government. And it's not just America. America is the it is the last bulwark for the global nation state system that was created in 1648 with the Westphalian Treaty. And if people think that this is about abortion, I think they need to take a step back and take a 50,000 foot view. Antifa's goal is to uh, essentially destroy the global civilized order so that it can pave the way for a one world communist, uh, you know, world global order. I mean, it's, you know, the, the, the sounds 
apocalyptic. Okay. Yeah. It does. It does. And, and it feels apocalyptic, but you're right. Uh, Mike, this is, this is about the future. And, and when, when government can get, when, when the people allow the government to decide who, who qualifies as a person protected under the law and who doesn't, uh, it's a slippery slope. Who's next? And, it's, and, and, and the people that become the number one enemy to that kind of governmental uh, power are the people that say, no, wait a second. Everybody should be protected. Right. Everybody. Right. Everyone without qualification should be protected. That's what the Bible says. Yeah. I mean, we're, because we're all made in the image of God. That is the only basis for human dignity. It's the only basis for truly blind justice. Mm-hmm. And we don't have blind justice right now. That's the storied nature of law enforcement. They're not blind. They've been co-opted by a political narrative. And that political narrative is essentially undermining a constitutional or, or what's called a rule of law. And it's moving towards what's called rule of man, where just a, a handful of people get to decide what's right and wrong. You, you and know, course, on that point, Jim, you know, if I could interrupt for just a moment, sure. the, the word dystopian comes to my mind because that's mm-hmm. a word that movie makers have used for years, kind of projecting what might happen in a day when culture breaks apart and maybe a, a, the world as we know it falls apart, either through war or whatever. And you have these movies that have been made in the past that are, are shockingly looking more like reality today than what we could have ever dreamed they ever would have because of this sense of lawlessness that you're describing. And that's exactly what is happening when the very highest levels of government and law and order are basically aiming at the innocent victims. Uh, And Christians are right there at the top of the list of those being persecuted by not just criminals, not just Antifa, but by our own DOJ. That's right. You know, but there's hope. You know, Jesus and, and as the Apostle Paul also were, were talking about um, the end. What does it look like? You know, there's wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and famine and lawlessness, right? Um, but we don't, we're, we're people of hope. We recognize reality for what it is. But we're hopeful because we know that there's a bright future for us. And this momentary, this what we're experiencing right now in affliction, it's in, and the Bible does describe it getting worse. Um, it, whatever, however bad it gets, it's only going to be momentary. It's only going to be light in comparison to the weight of glory to come. Right. Um, Jesus right. calls him. Jesus is called the King of Kings for a reason. It's a very political term, right? It's a very political name. He's the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. It's because this, his standard, his standard, is going to be applied to all people, all governments, and all rulers for all time. How did they measure up to his standard? And the people of God are the ones that are, are required required right now to live according to his kingdom principles and his kingdom law right now in a fallen world, in a world that is anti-Christ. And that's why we're being attacked. So if you look at the history of martyrdom, you look at the history of persecution, it's usually being perpetrated not by one's neighbor, but by one's government. I mean, look at all the times Paul was, was, was stoned or imprisoned. It was not because he was in, who imprisoned him. It wasn't. It wasn't his neighbor that imprisoned him. It was the government that imprisoned him. We should expect persecution, and we should expect that the persecution will 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 increase. But we got to give God the opportunity to show Himself strong on our behalf. That's what faith is for. Faith is not for us working out our own salvation. Faith is is is, is trusting that God is our Savior, and we have to walk in His footsteps. And what that means is. 
as he sacrificed for us, the weak and the vulnerable sinner before a holy God, we turn around now. He gave us our lives back like the Good Samaritan. Right. We have to turn around and do likewise. We have to walk in his footsteps and sacrifice on behalf of others because the whole world is saying, no, no, you need to sacrifice for me. And that's what abortion is. Right. Abortion is, 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 is asking uh, somebody else, you know, to, sacrificing somebody else on, 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 you know, for, you, for yourself. Well, what, what Christ asks us to do is the opposite, and that's love. And that is to sacrifice ourselves on behalf of those that need it most, the weak and the vulnerable society, those that have been dehumanized and, uh, you know, in law. They're not even recognized in law in a lot of states anymore, pre-born boys and girls right. and their mothers who, who, who are essentially widowed, if you will. There's no one more widowed in society than a woman who thinks she's so alone that she has to choose between her, her life and her baby's life. It doesn't have to be that way. And Christians are the ones that stand up and say, no, we're here to say everyone is equally valuable and should be protected and blessed, both mother and the child. And you know what's amazing? Even though people like you who are involved with pro-life and lead organizations like Compass Care and people like the pro-life centers in Florida, where I'm privileged to serve with one of those, uh, the outcome of all of this, even though it's treatment that we would think it's unbelievable or so unfair and so uh, one-sided, yet the response of these toward the others is still dignity and love and and working toward representing the Lord. They're not. It's not a tit for tat. It's, I, I'm, you don't see you going out and firebombing Antifa. I mean, that's just no. not happening. And yet people think it's okay for the otherwise. I mean, the government is just not looking at all into showing up and arresting some of these Antifa thugs. I watched one of them one time in a worship service I watched a video of the Antifa, like you said, they were wearing masks. They walked up to the singers who were out worshiping in an open plaza and just started tearing down the sound system and destroying it. Yeah. And nothing happens. <clears throat> no. In fact, uh, there's an Antifa expert. His name is Andy No. It's it's uh, spelled, I think it's spelled N-G-O. But uh, he he's like, he holds that Antifa has been operating relatively unimpeded by law enforcement in recent years, despite its use of violence. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, he's saying that many people are crediting their the movement's support and sympathy um, from the, you know, American kind of political and media establishment on the left. It's true. It's true. They're, <clears throat> they're not holding these people accountable. Meanwhile, they're bringing the hammer down on anybody who happens to to represent a position other than their own? Right, <clears throat> and they're, they're they're picking and choosing which laws to uh, to enforce and which laws laws not to enforce, and they're picking and choosing which people to enforce them upon. The law is not a buffet. The law needs to be enforced equally, <clears throat> and uh, there's a we're saying that that we're they're violating the Fourteenth Amendment. Uh, that is the DOJ and the FBI and all these others um, because they're not enforcing the law equally. Um, and now you've got you've got uh, an, a judge out of the D.C. District Court, federal court, uh, that is that is asking um, the there's a, there's, a, there's a case indicting several pro-life people for Face Act violations, Freedom of Access to Clinic mm -hmm. Entrance Act, which is of course unconstitutional on its face. This is another way for the the government to attack pro-life activity. But she's saying, well, the, the, their their defense is saying, look, there is no um, legal context for the FACE Act. 
there is no um, the federal government does not recognize a right to abortion. These people are being charged with, you know, criminal um, conspiracy to deprive a woman of her right to an abortion. There is no legal after Dobbs case anyway. So what that means is, since there is no legal right to an abortion, the the, the judge was was stuck. She's of course very pro-abortion. She's and so she asked the attorneys, "Tell me why the Constitution uh, does not afford." Uh, the legal right to abortion through the 13th amendment now the 13th amendment this is laughable okay the 13th amendment is a is, a, is basically the amendment that says you know you can't enslave anybody there's no indentured servitude in america right no more slavery this this is after you know the emancipation proclamation proclamation and after the civil war right so the 13th amendment gets passed it's all about protecting the personhood of of of, of all people so she's saying wait a second um I want you to find for me um, that there's a there's a there's a legal right to abortion through the Thirteenth Amendment against slavery. What is she saying? She's saying that pregnancy or the child is a, is enslaving the mother. The fact of the matter is this 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 Thirteenth Amendment actually applies would 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 essentially apply to the preborn boy or girl, because what what there is nothing more like slavery in America today than abortion is. Abortion essentially is the government saying that there is no this, – this category of human being, preborn boys and girls, have no rights. They're not persons according to the Constitution, therefore are not afforded protection under the law. That is exactly the problem that the 13th Amendment was trying to uh, correct. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and so <clears throat> here you've got these, these uh, um, you know, activist judges uh, like this one down in D.C., uh, trying to to create these these government these fake government rights that will ultimately conflict with the inalienable rights that God has given us. Right. In fact, that's what that's what the judges uh, the, the the Supreme Court said with the Dobbs case. Look, as soon as the Roe versus Wade decision was ruled in 1973, it was on a collision course with the Constitution, because when government starts to create rights. <clears throat> Then they're ultimately, at sooner or later, going to come into con conflict with the inalienable ones. For example, if you create a right for a woman to get an abortion, that's going to come into conflict with a with a a child's right to life, and it did. Right. Yeah, and it, from the very beginning, <clears throat> you know. So this is we're 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 at a moment in time where Christians are being given voice. By, Jesus said it would happen. We're going to be delivered up. We're going to be delivered up <clears throat> before kings, before governors. And, and why? Because they want to know <clears throat> what it is that's in us that's causing us to stand so strongly, so firmly against the injustice and the injustice that's mm -hmm. been systematized through our system, uh, through, our, through our government, through our, through our, our legal system, through our, um, our law enforcement system. And so what do we do? We keep standing strong on the rock, the cornerstone, and he will show up. And he'll 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 demonstrate his power on behalf of the weak and vulnerable, if we just remain faithful to him. That's what he asks us to do: just be faithful. That's right. Stand strong on principle, and reflect him back to him. That's what we're designed to do. We're created in his image, designed to reflect his character and his nature back to him and to each other. And so, when we are faithful to him, he will he will he will show up and demonstrate his power on our behalf, um, and it'll be a, a sight to see. It will be a sight to see. And, you know, that is the you mentioned earlier, we we have hope. And the reason we have hope, it's not because of any positive directions coming from either President Biden or the DOJ. 
It's because we serve the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, and he is higher. And, you know, he has more mindset, a a higher mindset and more awareness of uh, of the little ones. He said, suffer the little ones to come to me. And while our government, sadly, may not be recognizing their lives, the Lord does. And we have hope because of that. And I'm grateful for you, Jim, and organizations like Compass Care who are really working hard to make a difference. And, you know, this is going to be a time that we're going to see people of faith have to stand up in courageous stands and say, no, we're not going to give in to the threats. We're not going to give in to Jane's revenge or the threats that they make or Antifa and the violence. We're going to stay strong with what we're, what we're, uh, what we've been given by God to do. And that is exactly what you're doing right now, man. I'm grateful for you. Oh, well, praise God. He, all glory, all glory goes to him. You know, uh, he, he, uh, he has done great things and he continues to do great things through his people. And, uh, I think we're entering into a time of, of darkness, but, but not just deeper darkness, because it's going to be even more glorious, the light. And it's his light shining through us. If, if we can just remain submitted to him and, and not give in to fear. Uh, and, and, and the temptation to just go along and get along. Uh, that's, that's a big temptation, yeah, but it's a part of the human condition. It is. We're, we're, we're tempted to, to fear what other people think of us and to fear what might happen to us. But God, just remember, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things, whatever they are, to, 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 to sustain us and our families, whatever they are, Will be, will be given to us by our good and great Heavenly Father. Yeah, I love the wisdom in that statement. I'm much more concerned about what God thinks of me than anyone else. And yeah. that's exactly right. Give us your website. Sure. Well, if anybody wants to learn more about how Compass Care is, is um, serving women and saving babies from abortion, you can go to compasscarecommunity.com. That's compasscarecommunity.com. All right, Reverend Jim, thank you so much for being with me today, Jim Harden. Uh, We'll be catching up with you again in the future. Thanks again for this time today on my program. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. God bless. We'll be back in a moment right here on Afternoons with Mike. Pastors and financial leaders, do you need expert accounting or tax help? Do you have payroll or 1099 questions? Do you need a ministry expert to help you acquire real estate for your next project? If the answer is yes, yes, and yes, visit PetraWorldwide.org. Petra Worldwide has been strengthening ministries to transform humanity since 2007. Visit PetraWorldwide.org or call 855-481-9095. Back again now for segment three and on the line with me is Melissa Ortiz. Now, Melissa has quite a story. I think you are going to enjoy listening to this lady. She is a spokesperson for those with disabilities. She herself was born with a disability, and uh, as uh, she has really survived a lot longer than any of the doctors who cared for her or her mother would have ever dreamed possible. I believe that this lady is a walking miracle of God, and it's my honor to introduce to you Melissa Ortiz. Melissa, thank you for being with me. Thanks for having me on. Well, this is, you're quite a story, my friend. (laughs) My goodness. Now, you, before we began this, you were telling me uh, all about how that your parents, you were born into a family that 
at that t- point in time weren't really believers, but you later saw the difference. So tell, tell us about that. And then also tell us the story of your birth. Well, I was born into a family where my father would have told you very clearly that he was agnostic and didn't care. And my mother, who was a choir director at the time at a Baptist church, would have told you that she was a Christian because she had been baptized when she was 13. Mm -hmm. Through the I Found It movement in the 70s and great evangelism by a guy named Mike Gilchrist, both of my parents came to Christ and they, there was such a difference in our home. I was five by the time this all played out. I looked at my mother. She was putting me to bed one night and she said, I, I said, mom, how do you get God in your heart? And she said, Melissa, go to sleep. We'll talk about it tomorrow. I said, no, I need to know now. Uh, and she told me and she led me to the Lord right then and there, led me through the sinner's prayer. And while I, my faith has had to grow as I've grown and matured, it, there's no doubt in my mind that in that moment when I was five years old, that the Holy Spirit came to live inside of me and that Jesus saved me. There was no, there was no doubt in my mind. And having, I have spina bifida occulta, which is a type of spina bifida that presents a little bit differently. And I am ultra, also have hydrocephalus, which means I have too much fluid in my brain or not, not enough fluid in my brain and too much in my spine at any given time. And the balance is incorrect, but I was not supposed to live. My parents were in a commuter marriage. They were able to pinpoint when my mother got pregnant. She didn't realize she was pregnant because they'd been trying for five years to have a baby with no luck. And when she finally discovered she was pregnant, they said, you have a condition called placenta previa, which means that the afterbirth is in the birth canal and the baby will probably suffocate trying to be born. Mm. Um, We don't have a heartbeat on the baby. So we think that a DNC would be your best option. And she was maybe five months along at this point. Wow. I don't know the exact on that. And my parents said, no, we've been trying for five years to have a baby and we're having a baby. And the doctor said, you do realize that you may be, this baby may be a vegetable, this, that. And they were like, we want this baby. What do we need to do to save this pregnancy? And so my mother went to bed and finally, that was what they needed to do. So finally, at the end of the seventh month, they said, we need to take this baby right now because you're hemorrhaging and we can't pump the blood into you faster than, than you're losing it. So they went in to do a cesarean section and didn't, you know, they said, there's no heartbeat on the baby. We've got to get the baby out. And this is why I always tell people, doctors practice medicine. They don't know everything. Practice is the opposite, is the operative word. And so they did a, they opened my mom, took me out, um, did a hysterectomy to save her life, kind of tossed me aside into an incubator because I was breathing. And when they got through with my mother, they heard this humming, buzzing sound in the corner. And it was me humming the aria that my mother had been rehearsing the night before. She's an opera singer. And she was rehearsing even at the hospital. And so we, they said, okay, we need, we've got to do everything we can to save this baby. And they were very candid with my parents. She probably won't live to graduate high school, but clearly God has had a plan for my life because I'll celebrate my 40 year high school reunion next year. Oh my goodness. Oh my word. With this condition, that is unheard of. And I know that there are very few living people with this condition uh, who, who reach this age, right? 
Yes. Yes. It's more so now with the advance in medical technology, people are living longer because the spina bifida can be corrected and can be dealt with. But when I came along in 1966, they didn't have the technology. No, they did not. No. And so the fact that I am here and not only do I have this disability, I've survived seven head injuries. And the fact that I am here and functional is a, an act, a testament to the grace of God. I would believe that it's a miracle, Melissa. I really do. I think that you are a walking picture of God's grace and power in your life. And, you. you know, you've not uh, just hung around and, and uh, said, well, I have this condition. I can't do anything. But you're busy for the kingdom constantly. I am. And I'm, I'm busy for both the kingdom of heaven and I'm busy for advocating for people with disabilities here on earth. I believe that God gave me my life and my communication skills so that I could be a voice for those who either don't know how to be a voice for themselves or cannot be a voice for themselves. Right. Tell us about your work and the organization that you work with. Able Americans is a policy shop that I founded in 2011. And then in September to kind of answer this idea that the government can best take care of people with disabilities. Well, no, we need a safety net, but people with disabilities and families of people with disabilities can make the best decisions for them. And so I founded Able Americans with the idea that the policy approach would be from a free market, limited government, um, biblical approach. Then, and, and I, and I didn't do a whole lot with it, went to work for the Trump administration in 2017, left that dealt with five years of medical issues. And then, in September of last year, National Center for Public Policy Research, which is an incredible, they are not a think tank. They are a do tank. They, they do things. They, they have action on things that need action. They found out about me. I found out about them, and they bought Able Americans from me. And so we are in the process of doing several things, but one of the first things that we're doing is we are doing a deep dive on all the federal programs that support people with disabilities to find out how effective they really are and what needs to happen to make them more effective. The second thing that we are doing is we are working on a policy initiative that will make Medicaid portable from state to state. There are people with disabilities who cannot get insurance any other way than through Medicaid or they need Medicaid to support the insurance that they do have. Mm-hmm. Or there, there are little children who need, who are medically fragile. And here's what happens with Medicaid, because it's a federal subsidized program that is run through the state. Every time you move from state to state, you lose your Medicaid coverage and you have to reestablish residency and go through getting coverage. And there are people who would like to move to different places for jobs or what have you, who cannot because they have somebody in their family who's medically fragile who will lose their coverage for up to a year while they're while they are regaining state you know state residency. So we are working on a policy that would make Medicaid transferable between states in the same way that teaching licenses and medical license can be transferred from state to state. There's really a need for a great appreciation of just the challenges of everyday life that uh, those with disabilities have to face. But uh, I know that you were appointed, you mentioned this a moment ago, you were appointed by President Trump in 2017 to help people with this awareness. Tell us about that. Yes. 
I was the commissioner of the administration on disabilities. I was invited to the White House um, in 2017 after the um, after the inauguration. They were started working on health care and they suddenly realized that they had nobody with a pre-existing condition at the table to talk about this. And so they I have several dear, dear friends who were in upper very high level positions with the president and the vice president. And they said, we need Melissa Ortiz at the table. So I went to the, I came to the table and after the meeting, secretary price pulled me aside and he said, my chief of staff and I have a job that we'd like to talk to you about. And three months later, almost to the day I was sworn in and took my job. And my job was to oversee everything at HHS that had to do with living with a disability. Oh my my specific um, opdiv was the administration on community living because the idea is that people with disabilities are Americans and they, so they should live in the least restrictive environment that they can handle. So that's what I advocated for. I advocated for people that needed to be in congregate settings to be in congregate settings, but for families and individuals to make that choice for what was best for them. You know, you are an inspiration. You know, we had uh, Jim Harden on or the early part of this program. Jim, I don't know if you're familiar with him or not, but with Compass Care and works with pro-life organizations. And the, the sad reality that so many people uh, are hearing about and they just don't know that we live in this country right now where it seems that there's so many that would believe that a person that would be uh, in the womb that is going to have the kind of problems that... Uh, your folks faced when uh, when you were born that uh, they they should just take the easy way out and and abort and you know I am grateful to God for the fact that you. your life is so valuable at how wonderful what a wonderful thing you're doing uh, honestly Melissa I think you are thank a miracle thank you thank you and I it's really interesting because people you you hit the nail on the head taking the easy way out what people don't realize is that we are headed down the same path that Nazi Germany went down in oh, the thirties yes. because the very first thing that they did when the Nazis came to power is they eliminated all the people that were considered useless bread gobblers, mm. people with disabilities. And that is how they perfected the gas chambers that ultimately killed 6 million Jews and 12 million other people. Uh, they, they, ki- they killed 6 million Jews by practicing on people with disabilities. And we are headed down that road again with euthanasia, medical aid and dying. Once again, healers are becoming killers. Mm. I actually wrote an op-ed for the Washington Times on this very thing about the forgotten victims of the Holocaust, which were people with disabilities. And the idea was that if you had a disability, you couldn't be productive. Not only were some of those people really productive, they were doing quite well. Yeah, like you. <laughs> and I'm so Thank grateful you. for all that you have done. But my Thank goodness, you. in some ways, Melissa, you're just getting started. I am. And I'm I'm laughing at Don Lemon saying that women over 50 are past their prime. <laughs> I really, I'm going to be 57 in a few weeks and I'm just getting started on this. Oh, I believe it. I believe it. And I think that uh, God has great things. You know, it's really beautiful to see how the plan of God, it's not every day you get to see it from the beginning of birth. And here you are, you may have been the youngest opera singer in all of time. (laughs) Maybe so, but you know, I, 
I am so grateful, even with the challenges, and that that would take two or three more radio segments to talk about all that, but I'm happy to talk about any time that you want to hear about this and the way that we can deal with those challenges. But I've discovered that living with a disability is really not a whole lot different than living life. You have to be resilient and you have to be resourceful. And resilience is getting up every time you fall. That's right. And then resourcefulness is finding a way to get to the end point. And it may not look like you think it's going to look. It may not come about the way you think it's going to come about, but it comes about because you choose to approach things from different directives. My mother has long called me the queen of creative alternative because apparently from the time that I was tiny, when she would ask me to do something, my dad died when I was five. So that's why I talk about mostly my mother. And so she said, you would say, well, what about if I did this and so? And she said it took a lot of training to make you understand that when someone who is supposed to be managing you or who is in charge of you tells you to do something, you need to do it that way. Right. And it, but it also taught me a lot of resourcefulness because I would think of ways to get things done that would work for me, but still be within the parameters of being an obedient daughter. Wow. Or an obedient, you know, a good coworker, a good friend, a good, and, 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 one of the things that put this in perspective for me is I um, went through a time when I was living in the dorm in college and we had two washers and dryers on each floor. And for some reason, because we, I lived on a floor that had less people on it, people from other floors would show up and start trying to use our washers and dryers. And I ran out of clothes and I called a friend of mine that I went to church with and I said, can I bring my laundry to your house and just do it? there and she said sure so I took it over there and she said listen she said I need to leave and I've got to set the alarm so I'm going to do your laundry and you just come back and get it when it's done and I looked at her and I said are you sure because I don't want to to take up your time she said no I'm sure I said all right and she told me later that somebody had said that that was the most adult response they'd ever heard from a 21 year old wow instead of fighting back and so I learned then that I had always been thinking as an old soul from the time that I was a child. I can see it. I can hear it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we're going to have to have you back on to talk about I this. We're out. Yeah. We, yeah, this is too great. My friend, uh, a new friend to the program, Melissa Ortiz. I'll look forward to checking in with you. Uh, give us your website real quick. It is nationalcenter.org forward slash able Americans. Nationalcenter.org forward slash able Americans. Melissa Ortiz, thank you for being with me today. Thank you. And friends, we'll see you next time right here on Afternoons with Mike.